Hi, welcome to another episode of the Weld.com podcast. I'm Bo Wigington. In this week's episode, I got to chat with Kevin Simmons, aka I Welder Up on Instagram, and it was quite the conversation. Kevin shares his story of starting as a grinder and finding his way into welding by building custom trucks on the side. He goes into working out in the field and being okay with the elements, some good information on what it's like working in the nuclear sector, and his love for trucks and making the transition to having a trunk in his latest ride. We dive in after a quick word from our sponsors. Upgrade your welding game today with the highest quality leather products from Outlaw Leather USA. Their welding hoods, arm pads, and handles are expertly crafted with premium materials to provide long-lasting durability and stunning visuals. Don't settle for less than the best. Experience unbeatable protection and comfort with Outlaw Leather USA's custom leather products. As a special bonus for listening to the podcast, you can get 10% off your order by using the special promo code WELD10 at checkout. Upgrade your welding gear now at Outlaw Leather USA. Are you tired of carrying multiple pieces of equipment on your service truck? Lincoln Electric has introduced the solution, the Ranger Air 260 MPX. This multifunction engine drive combines an air compressor, generator, battery charger, battery jump starter, and multi-process welder in one compact device, specifically designed for the unpredictable circumstances and job demands of the work truck industry. But that's not all. The Ranger Air 260 MPX is also designed to provide a lower cost of ownership with features such as auto stop-start technology and an electronic throttle body engine with variable engine speed. Don't miss out on this versatile and reliable machine that can handle any demanding job site. Visit www.lincolnelectric.com for more information on the Ranger Air 260 MPX available later this year and save space on your truck for other tools and gear with this compact power horse. Do you want to go ahead and introduce yourself to the audience in case they're not familiar with who you are and your work? My name is Kevin Simmons. Just a welder over here from New Hampshire. I weld her up on Instagram. Which is an awesome name, by the way. I saw that. I was like, that's <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> you know, it, it was funny. I started that. I forget when it was, you know, when Instagram first came out. And uh, Isaac, IC Weld, was one of my first followers on there. We like, followed each other, you know. Mm-hmm. And we always had a friendly competition. And we just ended up great friends. I ended up going out to his place. He came to my place, you know, and it's, uh, I met a lot of great people on there. Instagram has been an amazing thing for the welding community. Yeah, that's yeah. that's been a, what a lot of people have been saying. And just like uh, once you started getting in that, like the community just kind of exploded. And now, yeah, you know, I, I always wondered if carpenters and plumbers and shit posted, you know, Pictures of that, you know, look at that cut on this piece of wood, you know? It's like, man, look at this 45. (laughs) Yeah, we'll cut a piece of steel and be like, whoa, take a picture of it with a torch. You know, we cut that with a torch, you know? (laughs) Yeah. But it's been great. You know, Torch from Torchware has just been just a great friend and contact on there and a lot of people. Right now you're doing some really cool work. Can you give people a little background of like where you started, how you progressed and where you're at now? Yeah, I grew up in a, you know, a small wooded town in northern Massachusetts. 
growing up, we used to just go out in the woods and party and keg parties and like just stand in front of bonfire and yell till we couldn't scream anymore. You know, just a bunch of meathead kids, you know? Yeah. And it was just a party town and that's all we did for a long time, you know, and I ended up getting a job. My dad worked at this um, big shop process engineering in uh, New Hampshire and they built huge cryogenic tanks. So I got a job there and I was, you know, my classification, the union boilermaker shop and my classification was grinder. And that's what I did. <laughs> you grab a big grinder and you just ground out subarc wells all day long in these giant tanks on rolls and it just rolled around. And you know, my first day on the job there, I was putting a piece of angle on the, on a rack and, you know, it was a big four, six by six by half inch angle or something like that. And I pushed it on and it was, I was pushing it and wasn't looking where I was pushing. And I pushed it right off the rack. Oh, I, right. I was, oh yeah. I was 19 years old, you know, and didn't that thing land right on my toe, on my big toe and smashed it open like a hot dog. Oh and, God. Yeah. First day on the job. Of course I wasn't wearing steel toes, which I was supposed to. And I didn't say anything. And that was in the morning. And I just limped around and there was blood oozing out of my boot and the whole, like, I, I never, I didn't want to say anything. You know, my dad worked there. I didn't want to get fired. And it was a big deal. And I just sucked it up and kept on going and limped around and just say I did it at home, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Dang. So it was one of those things. But yeah, I ended up grinding there for a couple of years and, uh, sandblasting and eventually started painting the tanks and all that. And then I started doing just pickup. You know, you get the TIG torch and they had a little something that needed to be picked up. And I started doing that. And I never did make it to the classification of welder in that shop. It was a big layoff and union stuff and ended up in a shop not far from there called Wolverine where everybody went and they built industrial ovens. Dang. And I was there for a little while, big industrial painting. And a lot of it, I regret, you know, Emron paint and no mask. And, you know, this was in the early nineties, but anyway, I started building an off-road truck in the corner of my paint shop. I like to go four wheeling and everything, and, you know, having guys weld up my different parts. So I built it from scratch from the frame up, but I had everybody who had to weld everything. So I got aggravated with that. And I started just welding stuff myself and eventually just took off from there. Started welding all that stuff. Yeah. You became a welder in that shop or was it after? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I became a welder in that shop after they figured out I could do that. We we built food equipment there, food machinery, and it was a really good place to work. Good machinery, all stainless. Well, 50-50 stainless and steel, but it, it was a cool shop. We built huge ovens, you know, conveyor belts, and a lot of machinery. I like moving. I like to build stuff that moves and stuff like that rather than just, like, chunk out spool pipes. And I like to build things. Build things that people can use. Yeah, you know, stuff that moves. And I always like moving parts, you know. But you do a lot of, like, heavy equipment repair now, right? Yeah, I've always done that. In about 2000, I bought my first uh, gen set. Because I was having people come to my work and, you know, want me to fix stuff. And I would stay late. And we'd, you know, work. Your shop didn't care. And I was, you know, having excavators come. And, you know, everything come to the shop. And eventually, I was like, oh, I can't do this forever. So <laughs> yeah. I bought a gen set of Bobcat in 2000 and threw it on my truck and, it took off from there. I would always do side jobs, side jobs, side jobs. And eventually it turned into, you know, I have too much side work to go to work. So I did, I quit there and just did my own thing from there. Fixed heavy equipment, barges, um, getters, you know, anything that needed fixing, you know, I would fix anything, raise my hand for anything. Were you working by yourself? 
Yep, always work by myself. Yep. How do people find you? Was it just kind of like word of mouth or did you like put yourself out there? Well, I've been through some weird times. I've, you know, I've always been word of mouth. I tried some advertising and never been too savvy with that stuff. And, you know, this was all before the internet really, or early days of the internet, the early 2000s. And I would, I would have had some business cards made up and I had a, most of my good work was at machine shops. I would go to machine shops and, you know, drop off cards, drop off cards everywhere. Go to see an excavator and a guy with a dump truck and boom, give him a, you know, give him a card. And, and then it got, I had a lot of work and then it got weird in the mid two thousands mm-hmm. where, you know, Joe, you know, my helpers can weld that, you know, it's not too bad. It's not true. Before it was like, Hey, I need this fixed right away. Don't care what it costs. Just fix it. I need it. And then things started to slow down in that industry. And, you know, oh, Johnny can weld it. You know, this guy can weld it. Nah, no big hurry. You know, and it's like, it kind of put a hurting on it. So I ended up at the ski areas welding snow making pipe. Oh, really? And, uh, yeah, I did. I started that in 06, I think, or 05. That's the best work I've ever done. The ski areas. Yep. I grew up in Colorado and was always up in the mountains snowboarding. And that was like another thing I was like, man, you know, it'd be awesome to just go work at a ski resort, just welding stuff for him. <laughs> Cause like the terrain parks with the rails and everything, like it'd be cool to just fab all that stuff up. I've always liked it. I've worked on everything else with a chairlift, um, you know, bow wheels, uh, snow cats, everything at a ski mountain you could imagine pumps, pipes. And, you know, last year I think we did over 7,000 feet of pipe, uh, 20 inch, 12 inch, eight inch, six inch pump rooms. I worked up there last year with a guy, Doug Fischera great you know he's got the work at the like like me you know it doesn't matter if it's raining if it's snowing if it's cold if it's you know whatever it's like we're gonna see how many we can get done and probably try to do more than we did yesterday you know it's always a push i tell people you know i would do it for free you know yeah. <laughs> it's just a bonus i get paid to well because i just i don't know i just like it you know i'm a sucker for it yeah i do that to myself too i'm always just like well i guess i'll do that job i know you're not going to pay me much but i i just want to do it <laughs> i'm a i'm a real sucker for the guys that would be like oh the last guy couldn't do it or they said that you know nobody they, you know this is a hard one nobody can do that you know i'm like oh I, you know, I like, watch me all the time. <laughs> yeah that's awesome. guys can get me to that stuff pretty easy. Yeah. I saw one picture on your Instagram as well where you're holding up a porcupine. Like what what are some of the craziest things you've encountered out there? That was one of them. That was a good one. That poor little guy we were we had a, a line to replace and it was a really steep section of pipe and we came up with an idea of welding the new pipe to the old pipe, right? And <laughs> then dragging with a skitter from down below. So there's basically no impact, you know, and there's no welds, no field welds. It's all we did it all in the parking lot. So we were doing that and just welding two strings up up above, and you stuck them down. But there was a porcupine living under the pipe, you know. And he, <laughs> he wouldn't get out from under. Every time we tried to hit him with a stick, he would, you know, I didn't want him to get crushed. Yeah. So I just put my good old gloves on and just grabbed a hold of him, and he was cool with it. He just mellowed right out. I walked him up and stuck him on a tree. That is yeah. crazy. Can I've you... had moose. Oh, moose? Yeah, I've had moose come by. Yeah, we had a moose one day. We were playing. We called it Ring Around the Ranger. I had a little Polaris ring. He was coming around, and we were messing with him because we'd see him every day. So I got the idea of putting a moose call on my phone. Well, he came right over to it. You know, he's like, oh, yeah, and he came right over. And we were like, 
ringing around the rosy of the, the ranger, you know, because I was making that, that call. <laughs> wound them up. Oh, man. Yeah, they, those things are, like, moose could be very dangerous and aggressive. Oh, yeah, man. Yeah, they're huge. <laughs> And Yellowstone, one time, like I went out there the first time I ever went, and everybody was stopped on the road. And so we got out. We we're like, well, everybody has to stop. Let's see what's going on. And there's just a giant moose just chilling in the middle of the road and wouldn't let yeah, anyone pass. Considering you're up north, like a lot of people getting out of school or trying to get into the field and wanting to go and do, you know, outdoor work, they don't really think about the elements and everything. And when it comes to mm-hmm. cold weather, welding what are some things that you learned throughout the years that people might not expect that's a good one i wear as many layers as i can and i just go for it and you know usually when i'm i'm going up there or something i'll, I'll roll my windows down in the truck no, no heat for the last three or four miles and I'm, i get out cold and i stay cold all day i don't go warm up once i'm cold that's it i'm cold till i get in the truck to go home or go to the hotel i just you get cold and you stay cold because you're going to get cold. I don't care how how much you dress for it. You're going to get cold. So you just get cold and stay cold. What, what about like your equipment and stuff? Is there certain things that people should be prepared to, for? You know, your rods are going to get wet. And, you know, I always use 6010 up there pretty much is essentially. And that I, I run that stuff just soaking wet anyway. I just, uh, it doesn't matter. Yeah, I don't know. The cold it never really bothered me. In the snow, it's going to get in your pants. It's going to get down your neck. It's going to get in your boots. And I just pretend it's not there and just deal with it. What about like preheating and stuff? Are you Is that something that you have to do? Or are you working on stuff where it's not really required? Yeah, definitely not required. But I will, you know, I use a big uh, weed burner. We call it a propane torch. And uh, I just get everything a couple of feet from either side of it because the the snow will melt and the pipe will, you know, just the water won't run into the pipe. Sometimes the pipe's full of snow when you do it and you got to, sometimes I'll hold the weed burner right there about six inches away from the well to try to evaporate it before it gets to my puddle, you know, at the bottom of the pipe. Damn. I mean, cause like that's things that until you're out there and experience it, you're never going to know it's even something that you have to look out for, you know? Yeah, I mean, we were out there one time, and it was, like, just blowing. We were up on top of the mountain, and it was blowing so hard, you could, almost couldn't see, and it was windy, and I was there with a guy. I was like, you want to call it? And he's like, no, do you? I was like, nope. He's like, all right, so keep going, you know? And we were assholes up there just working away, and it, like, we really couldn't see, and then finally we're like, what do you think? Like, all right, but I'm not I'm not calling it officially. You know, neither one of us wanted to be the guy that, to call it quit, you know? We just kept on going, but. I'm pretty bad like that um, as far as pushing it goes. It's never bit me in the ass, though, but I can't, like, weather doesn't affect me. And the hard, usually the harder it is, the worse it is to be outside or the worse the conditions are, the, the more I like it. <laughs> just, just like put yourself Any, in those situations. Yeah, I mean, anybody can work in a, you know, in a parking lot and, you know, in a dry day. Yeah, but it takes a real welder to get out there in the elements. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I just, I just always, I'm a, I'm a sucker for that stuff. You know, I just like it. I'm in a shop now, so I can't really say anything now. <laughs> well, transition so. into the shop. You were telling me a little bit about what you are working on right now. Do you want to tell the listeners a little bit about this cool new project you're working on? Or at least as yeah. much as you can tell. Yeah, it's a, um, 
the new style reactor. You can Google it. It's um, called the Vinci. Uh, Westinghouse is building it. It's a micro style reactor. They're calling it, and um, you know, you could kind of basically drop it off and power a small city with it here and there. So we're building the prototype right now. Um, it's probably ten years out, probably from having a, a working reactor. So I'm building a scaled down prototype of it now. Just barely starting it. So starting the the beginning stages of the machining and welding of it. So you're doing the machining side of it too? Uh, no, no. Okay. They're, they're machining the parts for it. I'm like right now they're doing the weld preps for my very first piece that is almost ready. So oh, that's nice. The nuclear industry, if nobody knows is everything takes forever. Um, just the paperwork and all this, you know, it just, it's a long process of everything they do just takes forever. Because yeah, there's got to be like a paper trail for all the material, paper trail for all Thanks. the, like just everything has a, has a trail. And every weld has a sign off, every weld, like, you know, if something happened to, they'd be able to pinpoint which weld, you know, if you weld something onto something, it's called a temporary attachment and you circle it and have to measure it out to where it was. So if, let's say something happened in that location, they'd be able to look and measure it and be like, oh yeah, well, there was something right here at one point and so-and-so welded it on, you know, March 14th, and they'd know right away of, you know, everything. It's it's crazy. Well, but, and there's a, it, there's like a different type of standard that you're held to as a nuclear welder, like just anything in the nuclear world. Like, can you tell people a little bit about that? Like every weld you're, is it, I might be wrong, but you're responsible for them for like 30 years, right? Or just the yeah, lifetime? Yep. Yeah. Yeah, your name's attached to it. Um, you signed off. You know, you got to sign a document that you welded that, when you welded it, with what wire you welded it, at what heat you welded it, how many kilojoules you put to it, um, you know, depending on the, the product that you do. And some of the stuff is not so... Right now, we're building some fuel travelers that aren't as much QC in them, very little, but it just carries the fuel. But when you're building the reactor itself, yeah, it changes a lot. You have to... You own it. That's crazy. What were things that you've learned in that kind of industry to even look for? Like, you know, because it's it, it's so intensive, just like scrutiny that goes into those welds. Like, what, what were things that you learned along the way that helped you just have confidence in it? You know, because I would be like very, very nervous every time I welded if that if it was under that kind of scrutiny. Like, what helped you yeah. along in your pathway? Absolutely. Yeah, it's actually a little easier in this field. Um, but, you know, I was welding pipe a couple of years ago, natural gas, and every weld was x-rayed. And I struggled more with that because every single weld got x-rayed, you know, and you don't do, it's final. You know, you get it from the root to final, and then it goes out to x-ray. And with the nuclear thing, you're, you do the root, and you have it die-checked, inspected, the inspector comes over, and, you know, and then you put a couple fill passes in, they come over and look at it. So it's like, you don't get too deep before you could screw it up, you know, for the most part. And then you flip it over and you back cope it and you die check it. And so it's like almost, it's hard to get it imperfections that way, you know? So it's a little bit, and it's time consuming, yeah. you know? So you're taking your time and it doesn't matter how long it takes you as long as you get it done. You know, it's like with the pipe, it's, you know, you finish it all. And if there's a problem, well, you got to go in and dig it out, and fix it, you know? But it, it helps a little bit in that world, and everything is spelled out. 
um, in the new, this is how you're going to do it. And you're going to do it between this range, you know, between 75 and, you know, 150 amps is what you have, or, you know, something like that. So it, it kind of is all spelled out. And it's really not as tricky as it sounds, you know. Interesting. I mean, that's that's yeah. good to know. You know, it's like that yeah, gives me every, more confidence of being like, maybe I could do that, you know. <laughs> you could definitely do it. Yeah. Everything is spelled out. They have it all. Uh, you know, they've been, chances are, you know, they've been building these reactors for years and years and years, and everything is all figured out. You have a prod- production order you go through, and each step, you know, you weld this step, you flip the page, you sign it off, and you read what it tells you to do next, and, you know, a little on the boring side, but, you know, if you can get into the prototypes and, you know, doing welding some PQRs and stuff like that, that's what I like to do. It, change, it helps it break it up a little bit. Just boring paperwork stuff. Yeah, yeah. No paperwork <laughs> and welding don't don't really mix that much. You know, it's, like, uh, <laughs> it's not it's not uh, what I want to do at the end of the day. But no, no. I like to have a whole bunch of pipes next to me and just go like a son of a gun until they're done. You know, and yeah. try to do more the day and the more the next day. And that's how I've always been. Go go go. Well, another thing that I really wanted to talk to you about is. I've seen like your Bronco on your page and even like your, is that one of your welding rig trucks too? The blue one? Yep. That's awesome. Yep. Did you restore those? Did you work on those? Like what's the story behind those trucks? Yeah. Well, you know, I've always had trucks. I've always been into to trucks and uh, actually this Mercedes that I have is my first car I've ever had. I've <laughs> always had a truck. Like now, you know, I think it's amazing. I have a trunk. Like, yeah. I never had a trunk. I put everything in there. Now I put my lunchbox in there. I just open up and put stuff in the trunk. You know, <laughs> it keeps it but, uh, watertight. Yeah. You know, <laughs> I don't know. It's just weird. I've never had a trunk. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I've always had trucks. You know, so it's 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 good. And I've always you know I just like it started with that Bronco in in the um, my paint room that I was building. That it's reason why I started welding. You know. And, that ended up, that truck that I built ended up on the cover of Four Wheeler Magazine in 2000. That's awesome. Um, That's you know, so back cool. Then, back then to build the truck, you know, we didn't have the internet, right? You, know, you couldn't buy a four-link kit or, you know, all these brackets custom made. You know, right now you can build a badass custom rig from, you know, custom CNC cut parts and everything. You know, back then you had to look at the pictures of the magazine and, you know, really look at it. <laughs> figure it out, and, you know. A lot of guesstimating. So yeah, you know, we did a lot of stuff, and it was a lot of fun. And then I built another mud truck there. I ended up in California to the Top Truck Challenge, something I always wanted to go to. That was in 2010. And, uh, you know, it was just great. We were, the, like, the lowest budget truck there. We Actually, we built that truck in my shop, drove it around the shop twice, threw it on the trailer, and went to California. That's cool. That's awesome. <laughs> Literally. Yeah. And we didn't, we did pretty well, you know, obviously we didn't do as great as everybody else, but we made it through. My goal was to make it through everything, you know, without breaking. And we did pretty good. So it's, it was a good time. Trucks have always been a big passion. Yeah. Yeah. No, that, I, that was like one of my favorite parts about like, after I started learning how to weld, I was like, Oh man, now I could start making all these like I could make a new bumper, I could make a brush guard, I could make side rails, like I could. And that, 
that's the best place to start, right? Just be yourself, for your own stuff, for your own good. And then people see it and be like, oh, hey, look at that. You know, the, the one problem I've always had, though, is the stuff I build for myself is never as good as the stuff I'll build for somebody else. Unfortunately, I always like when I build something for myself, it's like I know what is just good enough and, yeah. and I'll end up. You know, it's like, oh, yeah, I know that all, but if I do it for somebody else, I want it to be like a wow factor. It's hard to wow myself. I just don't just do it, you know. It's awesome to have passions outside of work, and it's hard for people to find them, you know. It's like it's easy to get consumed by work, and then when you're done with work, you just zone out, you know. So it's cool to have passions that you can do. I think, you know, and like kids starting out, everybody, I get asked a lot, of, what rig should I get? You know, what, how should I start, you know? Get the cheapest truck you can find and the welder you can afford. That's my advice. And just get everything you can afford to buy and slowly get it as you need it. Because you're not sure what you're going to need right off the bat. Because it doesn't, you got to figure out what you want to go into. You're going to weld pipe? Okay, you're going to need bevelers. You're going to need pipe stands. You're going to need, you know, some framing square, whatever. Uh, you know, you're going to weld heavy equipment? Okay, you don't need any bevelers. You don't need that. You need a carbon arc torch and air compressor and you know, you, you, everything has its own thing. You had to figure out exactly what path you want to go to. And you might not know until you try a couple. That's a hard thing for people to find out. You know, that that was one of my yeah. biggest struggles. And one of the biggest yep. reasons why I wanted to do this podcast is that I was pushed into, they're like, oh, you're going to be a nuclear. Like one of my professors was like, you got to do pipe or go into the nuclear. Like that's what, that's what you're meant to do. And, <laughs> and so I was like, but what else is there? You know, <laughs> I, I agree with him on the pipe. Like if you want to make money, you go well pipe. Right. I wish I did it when I first got out of school, you know, but I started in that that shop as a grinder and I can remember saying my dad worked there and I remember asking him, you know, who the, who's the best welder in here? He's pointed to a guy over there. I was like, all right, you know, and I always used to go over and look and see what he used to do. And now all these years later, I'm working with that guy in this shop now. And, you know, he's 64, I think, or 62, but now we work side by side and it's just, I don't know. It's a weird feeling to, to think, you know, I used to inspire to you and, now we work side by side and he's still a badass, you know, he's still a great welder, but I don't know, something I always think of. You're kind of touching on advice for new welders or people trying to just get a leg up in the industry. Like what, as a welder, like skills to focus on, what would you say the most important skills for a welder would be? Double the prep work that you do, you're welding. Like it's, and that's before and after the weld. Like to me, you know, when you're done welding, it should take you twice as long to prep that, make it nice, make it look great. You know, just not over prep it, but just clean it up, make it look good. Make sure there's no pinholes, make sure your corners are wrapped, make sure there's no spatter. Another thing, make sure you, when you leave your area is clean. I don't care if you're coming back there first thing in the morning, clean your area, make it nice. If you're never coming back, clean your area, make sure there's no stubs on the floor. You know, it has more to do with your work piece then, you know, everything else in, in general, I think you have to just be meticulous on everyone you do. You know, right now, the QC guys, when they come over and inspect my stuff, they're not looking as hard because they know every time they come, it's really clean and everything's good and they trust that it's going to be good. You know, sometimes, you know, it, you do miss things. Obviously, everybody does. I don't know. I think just every weld you do, make sure, you know, look at it, really look at it. You know, put a flashlight on it and see if, oh, yeah, there's a little hole, there's a little pinhole, there's a piece of spatter here and find out the criteria before you weld. You know, what do we, how big does this weld need to be? A lot of welders never even seen a fillet gauge. You know, they don't even know what one is. And for some welds, that makes no difference. You know, 
but some it does. Yeah, you are the first inspector. Like, that is one thing that I yep. was drilled into me. It's like, hey, you know, it's like, don't be worried about the welding inspector. You are the welding inspector that needs to have the highest amount of, like, your standards need to be higher than that that QC guy coming over to look at it, you know? And if you're, you know, if you're going into a shop, you find the good, you know, ask around. Say, who's the best welder in here? Everybody's, every shop's got one. You know, they're going to point that guy over there and ask a few people and find out who he says, you know, and go look what they do. You know, look at their area, look at their welds and be honest with them. Go right up there and can I just take a look at what you're doing? Ask questions. Everybody wants you to ask questions. You know, everybody likes it when you're asking them questions about how they do things, what they do. Even the crotchety old buggers will give you some information, you know, (laughs) if you're interested. You know, it's the ones that don't say a word and just, you know, I know how to do that. I can do that. That the crotchety guys will never give you a tip. They will just look over there at you doing something wrong. And they'll let you do it because you're not talking to them. You're not, you know, you know how to do it already. You know, don't be the kid that everybody thinks are kids nowadays. You know, the know-it-alls. You don't even have to be a kid. You can be a grown man and and an adult and, you know, be the same way. Ask questions. And I'll ask questions all the time. I'll ask people, you know, what are you doing? Yeah, because everyone's got a different perspective, too. Like, that's the one thing I love about welding is that everyone, it's like fingerprints, you know? It's like everybody's welds are a little bit different. Everyone's techniques are a little bit different. And you can learn a lot just by watching, Uh, asking questions, you know? It's like... I guess another piece of advice would be learn how to fit. Find a fitter, whether it's fitting pipe, fitting sheet metal. It's something that I put off for a long time. Not, you know, just, well, I always wanted to weld. Just throw me in front of weldments and let me weld, let me weld, let me weld. But really, you need to fit. You've got to... You got to be a good fitter. Yeah. To, to any job. That's my opinion. Yeah. The the sheet metal one, I, I take to heart right now because <laughs> I, I, do, <laughs> I don't do much sheet metal work, but I've been right. doing sheet metal work and it's been kicking my butt. And I yeah, definitely need to, I need to ask some questions to somebody, you know? <laughs> it's tough when you're on, by yourself out on the road, you know? Who am I going to ask this? You know? Yeah, that is that is one of the benefits of working in a shop or working on a cruise oh, that you have somebody yeah. to ask a question to. You can Yeah, there's always that one guy that is really good at what you are doing, you know. You have the internet now too. Like a lot of people That's I've talked true. to, they'll Thank be like good, they get in a bind, they'll reach out, you know, they'll put a post up and say, Hey, I'm having a hard time with this. Anybody have any tips? You know, and then it's just go to the comment That's section. Something. I always wish I got good at that YouTube thing. I tried a few. I made a few videos, and I just, I don't know. I can't get the hang of that thing at all. But. It is an interesting interesting platform for sure. Like, just social media. Make, oh, I know welders that make more on their YouTube than they do welding. They do one little welding job, throw it on there, and they make more off of that than they do the whole month on welding. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, come on, we we need to have that kind of course, you know? It's like, that's the kind of course. It's like, how do I make money on YouTube? That's Yeah, but see, those guys don't cough up that information, you know? They're stingy with it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, if everyone could do it, they'd be doing it, you know? That's right. I figured it out like I did, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Well, man, I've had an awesome time just chatting, and this has been, like, I definitely am going to call you more often and ask questions because I, I, I want right to follow on. this story. Number, so. yeah, you man. said you're in North Carolina? Yeah. 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 That's where I want to retire. Well, come on, man. It's I've, I'll take you on a beer tour. At a, right. At, there's lots of, my aunt, lives, my aunt lives in, uh, 
Newville, Newland, Newland, I think. Newland. That's over by Grandfather Mountain. Okay, nice. Yeah, no, that would be a nice area. I love the mountains oh, of North Carolina. And Me when too. I first moved here, I was just like, I, I was waiting to go through the mountains, like, because I came from Colorado and out there you got the Rockies, so you're above the tree line. So that's when I right. like would think I was in the mountains. I was like, oh, finally in the mountains because there's no more trees, you know? And then I was driving over, driving through, like when I first moved here, and I was just like waiting to get to the mountains. And then right. there's no tree line. So I was just like, wow, that was yeah, the underwhelming. Gorgeous <laughs> out there. Yeah. No, I've, I've come to really, really enjoy just the mountains out here. Like that. There's a camping spot out, like, right at the North Carolina-Tennessee line. I lived out in Nashville yeah. for a long time, and my parents live in North Carolina, and I would always camp right at the state line. There's a place yeah, called... Yeah, we used to go Pelico. Have you ever been there? Pelico? Pelico. We uh-uh. used to go four-wheeling right down there on the Tennessee-North Carolina line. Pelico. I got to check that out, man. Yeah. I'm always it's looking for new places. All right. See? Learned so much. Well, I really appreciate all the knowledge. I know that people that listen to this podcast will also get a ton out of this episode. That was like way more than I was even expecting to cover, you know. So, but that's good. <laughs> oh, sorry. Like, the, the main it thing I'm good. trying to do is just, you know, give people an idea of what different sectors of the industry are like. And we got to touch on a couple today. So that's the best, yeah, best I, possible outcome. It's important, I think, for. You know, everybody always has questions of, you know, how do you get started or, you know, where should I go? What should I do? You know, but I, I don't know. I think it's good. I think the big thing is, you know, if you go into a shop, make sure you clean up after yourself. That's like my number one thing. I just, you know, people <laughs> will leave it. And, you know, as soon as you walk away and the guys that are there that have been there for years will look and be like, what the fuck? Like, he just left my home dirty, you know? Yeah. And it's That's... always one of those things. It's like, you need to get respect from the people there if you're in the shop or even if you're on the road you gotta you gotta remember that they were all there you know first and you gotta just i don't know you gotta be respectful that's my big thing yeah if you want respect you gotta give it you do it's the only way around it when you're a welder there's always a risk of getting burned Fortunately, there's companies out there like our friends at Black Stallion who have been in business for over 50 years protecting welders like you and me. They're always looking for new innovations to help keep you protected and help solve those everyday problems. Their high-quality gloves, jackets, and flame-resistant garments are some of the best out there on the market. And they're designed to fit comfortably and stand up to any job that comes your way. If you're looking for some new gear to help protect you today, head on over to www.blackstallion.com and check out all the cool options they have to get any job done. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Weld.com podcast. If you have a topic you want me to cover or want to be a guest on the show, let me know by reaching out on the Weld app. You can find me at Bowdidit. Or just shoot me an email at boww at weld.com. Speaking of the Weld app, if you haven't downloaded it yet, you're missing out on some cool new features we've added, like our job board where you can find work, our marketplace where you can sell your work, 
or our new calculator that helps you dial in your settings when doing work. Until next week, we'll see you out there.